glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do. But they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all of these to be seen by others, for they make their philanthropies broad and their friendships long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the market. Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for gathering us here together today. Lord, we pray that you would place your words in my mouth, Lord, that you might speak to us, that you might touch our hearts, Lord, and that you might draw us into true worship of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is so good to see you all today. Well, I brought with me one of my favorite contraptions. Can anyone identify this object here? A backpack. Imagine how revolutionary the first backpack was, right? Because how did people carry things before these came around? On their head or on their hands. And how much can you carry when you're doing that? Not too much. I mean, you'd be surprised how much people do carry on their heads and in their hands around the world. But this really revolutionized things, right? Because suddenly, you could have your hands free. This is the first hands-free device right here, right? Uh, you could have your hands free, and you could do all kinds of things as you carried around your load on your back. There is one major drawback to a backpack, though. Anyone know what that is? Accessibility, yeah. And also, uh, that we have a tendency to load these suckers up. Right? Anyone ever been backpacking before? Right? You start putting stuff in there and you think, oh, that doesn't look too heavy. Then you put it on your back and what is it? Too heavy, right? And then you finally get to your campsite and you find that about a third of the things you brought you have no use for. Right? You've got 18 shirts, you know, and you're only out for two nights. I mean, it's just, that's how it happens when you got a backpack. You just shove it full and then you think, oh, it's nice and full. It's perfect. But no, you end up bearing this huge burden that you carry around. We have a tendency as humans to load these things up, to overburden them. And I think that's a lot like our hearts, too. 
the backpack is kind of like our heart, right? You and I, I know I, have a tendency to load that thing up, to load it up with cares and concerns and worries and guilt and sorrow, pain, all kinds of things like that. We pile that stuff in there. We have a tendency to load it up too, to overload it. And Jesus has something to say to us today about that. So let's look at the gospel passage for today. I'll put down my backpack. This pulpit's not really designed for backpacks. I don't think the makers intended that. And so in our gospel passage for today, we have the scribes and the Pharisees. Right? They're the, the scribes are the lawyers, the religious lawyers of the time, and the Pharisees are kind of the ultra-holy people. Right? So you've got the scribes and the Pharisees, and they are in the position of Moses. Uh, that means that they give the law to the people. Remember, Moses did this in the Old Testament. He goes up on the mountain, gets the commandments, brings them down to the people. That is the position that the scribes and the Pharisees are in. They help the people understand the law and apply it to their lives. They make sure they get the law. They have the authority in this position to share the message with the people. And so they do this. Now, there's only one problem with the way they do it. Because... They're asking people to do what they themselves do not do, right? They don't practice what they teach or practice what they preach is how it used to go, right? They put, a, they put stone upon stone upon the people, but they do nothing to help them bear it. They don't lift a finger, the passage says. But they're very spiritual looking, which goes for something, right? Uh, they are good at having the outward accoutrement of spirituality. Uh, they have big phylacteries and long fringes. Do I need to explain, or you guys all got that? Phylacteries, they proliferated around the world during the Industrial Revolution. Uh, they have big assembly lines, and no, those are factory. Oh, that was bad. Um, you guys picked up on it pretty quick, but I was off on a tangent. No, phylacteries, they're a different thing. Phylacteries are a, um, it's a leather um, box, and they are, they are worn on the forehead and on the arm, of observant Jews as they are doing their morning prayers. Uh, they come from the Old Testament when uh, God commanded his people to bind the word to your head and to your hand, right? And so that is what they do. It has actually those verses encased in those phylacteries that they wear during that prayer time. Uh, so they've got broad phylacteries. Why would they have that? So you can see them, right? They want to be visible. It's kind of like the Hummer, of the day, right? They wanted people to see, they wanted them to, to be visible, to know that they were the spiritual people, right? And uh, the other thing, the fringes, right? The fringes, uh, these were on the four corners of a prayer shawl. Uh, you'll see pictures of the Middle East, and you'll see people with little tassels hanging out uh, below their clothes. Anyone ever seen this? Right? These are at the corners, the four corners of the garment, and those were to remind the Jewish people of the exodus of Israel from Egypt. Right? It was to remind the people of their deliverance. And so they had extra long ones. Why would they do that? Yeah, they wanted to be fancy, right? They just wanted to be seen. They wanted to be visible. They wanted to have the people know that they were super holy. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they really like to have a lot of religious bling in these ways and to have the plush seats at the banquets. They're into that kind of, you know, the outward manifestation of all this kind of good stuff. And they also like the fancy titles. But Jesus reminds them that they are just people, right? They're just like you and me. 
and that the Lord is the owner of every title of authority. Then he closes with the statement that the way of God is different, right? God's model is not to uh, have all this extravagant outward show of stuff. Rather, the way of God is not about exalting yourself, but about humbling yourself so that God can be exalted. Now, this is a fascinating passage and full of all different cool themes we could talk about. But one verse grabbed onto my mind as I read this passage. One verse in particular stuck out to me, and that's the one we'll be discussing today. Jesus says, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. So what were the scribes and the Pharisees putting on the backs of the people? Anyone know? Heavy burdens. And what was the heavy burden? The law. That's right. They were putting the laws upon the backs of the people. There's a word for this. We call it moralism. Anyone ever heard this word before? My spell check kept telling me it doesn't exist, but I know I've heard it before. Right? Moralism was the thing that was rampant at the time. Moralism is the practice of telling people to observe the religious or cultural laws without giving people hope in God. You just do it because that's what you're supposed to do, and there's no hope of any assistance in the execution of that obedience. Moralism says, be like King David and go fight the giant Goliath. Right? Just go and do it. Uh, our modern equivalent, or I guess our early modern equivalent, is pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Right? Just do it. Get some intestinal fortitude, screw up your courage, and go do it. That's moralism. Or, obey the Ten Commandments and God will love you. Right? Anyone ever heard that before? Obey the law, God will love you and accept you after that. But until then, sorry. He's not really interested in you until you are an obedient person. Moralism is all about law obedience without a realization that the very heart of the problem is that you or I have never been able to obey the law. That's a problem for moralism, isn't it? If God doesn't love me till I fulfill the law completely, what's the hope for me right now? What does moralism say? Is there hope? No, there's not. There is no hope. I am beyond hope because I could not obey the law. Moralism is what people outside the church and many inside the church think Christianity is all about. Right? It's all about doing the right things, wearing the right clothes, saying the right things. That's what Christianity is, right? No, I want to get a no on that one. No, not at all. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the masters of moralism. And they were putting burdens upon the people by convicting them with the law but not showing them what to do with the resulting burden that they had. They gave them no means to deal with the load. They did not offer hope or forgiveness if you failed. Now moralism, it happens to be one of the most insidious traps. Why do you think that is? It sounds so good. It sounds so good. Who doesn't want to obey the law and do all the right things and look the right way and act the right way all the time? I mean, sometimes we might not want to. But, um, I mean, it's the right, you know, it just seems so right. It seems so good to tell people, obey the law, do the right thing, get your life together. 
We have all kind our whole there's whole industries based around this. But the problem is, the very heart of moralism says it's about you and what you can do. But what does God say? He says it's about him and what he has done. Moralism at its very core is contrary to God's plan of salvation. It is contrary to the plan because the law was designed to lead people to God. The law was not designed to make us perfect. Here is how the law was to lead us to God. We would hear the law. We would realize our failure to keep it, realize our brokenness. We would experience remorse or guilt. And then we would turn to God, confess our guilt, and be forgiven. That's what the law was supposed to do. It was supposed to draw us back to God. What was the greatest commandment we read about last week? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. See, this that fulfilled all the other commandments because that's what the commandments were designed to do, was to lead us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And when you're broken and forgiven, that's what track you're on, is to loving God. In the eyes of the scribes and Pharisees, the law was a tool to keep them in power. And God only loved us if we were the best rule followers. Does this sound familiar to anyone, this kind of belief? Anyone ever heard it in church before? Heard it from brothers or sisters in Christ? Right? Get your life together and then God will love you. That's the way we think so often. But fortunately, there's hope. And that hope is based in Jesus Christ, who came to us and said, Come unto me, all you that are what? Heavy laden. Heavy laden. Who do you think he was talking to? Us. All of us. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. He didn't say, come to me when you've got it all figured out. Come to me when you've got your life in order and your priorities straight. Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden. Every one of you who's bearing that burden, come to me. We all have weights on our shoulders. We all come with this pack, and it's full of all kinds of junk. I'll tell you what. We've got stuff in here. Boy, i got a little judgment in mind. I've been carrying this one around. Anybody got some judgment in their pack? Yeah. Ooh, man, that's a toughie to carry around. Ooh, what about this one? This is nice and pokey. That's... That's a little sexual immorality in there. Right? Anyone ever carried a burden for something like that in your pack? Ooh, there's a little anger. Ooh, wow, kind of sharp. It's a sharp one. Yeah, anger. Man, that one cuts both ways. Boy, you can carry that one around for a while, though. Anyone ever seen somebody carry that burden? Or felt that burden on you? Boy, you can carry anger for a long time, and it keeps you warm. All right. Ooh, there's a little... What is this one? Oh, man, it's really heavy. That one, I don't know. What, maybe this is lime. What do you think? Those are some lies. And those things, they might start small, but boy, they get big. My wife told me a statistic the other day. She said somebody is lying to you once every five minutes on average. Boy, you can see how that adds up. And man, if you're doing that every five minutes, that's a lot of weight you're hauling around in that pack. 
You're carrying that stuff all around with you. Oh, man. And you know what? That is hard work. Carrying that burden everywhere you go. We tend to do that, don't we? We tend to put it in our pack or bury it in our heart. We tend to just shove it in there, right? Like It's kind of like the trash compactor. You can get more trash in there the tighter you push it down. And that's what we do with our lives. The cure for this, the cure for this pack is not moralism. The cure for this pack is not getting it right and doing it right the next time. Because if you do it right the next time, if, you, if you're moralistic and you get your life in order and you start doing it right, what happens to the stuff in your pack? It's still there. Those rocks are not decomposing. It is still there. You're going to have to carry around that old stuff with you. You ever notice things you did in your past, they don't disappear? Right? They kind of follow you around. They're right there in the pack. Moralism has no answer for that. It has no answer for how to deal with the things you've done that are wrong. The cure for them doesn't lie in moralism, in earning our way back to God. The cure lies in the gospel. And here is the gospel. Jesus says to me, Seth, it looks like you're carrying a heavy burden. It looks like that pack is packed up to the top. Let me carry it for you. Please give it to me. And that leads us to a hard decision, doesn't it? When Jesus asks us to give that to him. Because we have to admit, if we give it to him, we have to admit that you and I haven't done it. That we failed. That we filled up that pack with all kinds of stuff we don't want anybody to see. We have to admit that we're broken people in need of a Savior. And that is humbling. And that is hard. But through God's grace, he allows us to give that pack to him if we're able, if we're willing. He gives us that strength to hand it over to him. And the most remarkable thing happens when Jesus Christ takes that pack from us. One thing is, as my deacon let me know, she's like carrying around a backpack every day. When you take that pack off, how do you feel? Light. You feel like you're going to float off the earth. Right? You have... That's the benefit. It's the same thing spiritually. When we unload that burden on God, we feel light. We feel free. We feel strong. We feel healthy. The other thing that happens is when we give that pact to Jesus Christ and he takes it upon himself, it disappears. It goes away. And the reason it goes away is because Jesus Christ has already dealt with all the stuff in that pact. He's already dealt with all those rocks. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ dealt with those stones, with the law on those stone tablets. He dealt with that on the cross. When he took all of our failures upon himself and he died for our sins. He already canceled out that debt. He already paid for all those things. And he takes them upon himself. And he eradicates them. And he wipes them clean. And he offers us freedom. Today, Jesus, as opposed to the scribes and the Pharisees, wants to take the load off of us. 
He wants to take that pack from us with all those rocks that are in it. He wants to take them upon himself and offer us freedom. How will we respond to our loving God? Will we with pride hold on to the straps on our pack and say, No, God, I can do it. I can hold more. I know I can do it. I can make it. Or will we humbly and faithfully turn that pack over to him so that he can deal with it and we can be free? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for coming and breaking into our world, Lord God, so that you could offer us freedom from the burdens that we bear. Lord, we are bowed underneath the weight of them. Lord, our shoulders are tired, our feet are sore, and yet, Lord, it is so hard to let go of those things we've carried around in our lives. Lord, please help us to let them go, to turn them over to you, so that you can deal with them, and you can free us, Lord, from this burden that we are stuck under. Give us the grace, Lord, and the strength to turn over our lives to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.